Parker. Um, welcome today. My name is Anthony. I am pastor here at Free Church. I recorded those vocals for that song. Uh, it <laughs> took me a lot of vocal lessons, but I did it. Um, we're glad you're here. I, I want to talk to you today about the idea of things being new and, and what it is that we think about uh, when we think about this word new. Uh, new is a funny word, and the English language actually is a pretty lousy language compared to much more beautiful languages, and English is backwards. For some of you who are um, English as a second language, you're like, it's hard to figure out. And it is, because we have a lot of words that are the same thing. So when we think of new, sometimes I will think of K-N-E-W, um, things that you know. But then we also think of new, things which are fresh, new clean, up and coming, sprouting forward, spring, daylight, fresh air that you breathe from a cool coastal breeze. That's the kind of new that we are talking about today. And I think that people are incredibly obsessed with new things. And so what kind of new things do you find yourself obsessed with? Uh, if you drive through any major thoroughfare in any city in America, you'll notice that there are, like, new mattress stores all the time. Like, you're like, wasn't that mattress store there last week, and now it's new? It doesn't make any sense. And so there's new things. People get obsessed with new. And somehow, if the mattress store closes and reopens again, it's, it's new, and, and it's better, and they get more business. And we've caught on to them. We know it's just the same. And so what do you think about new things? Some of you are obsessed with new phones, new electronics, new cars. A, a lot of people in our church I saw got new cars the last couple of weeks. I would love to smell your car if it's new. Um, new things smell good. New cars, new fresh coats of paints, new houses, new towels. New towels are really special. But you do need to wash them like once so they're not as stiff. And so everybody that touched them at the store, their germs are gone. But a new towel is amazing. How many of you like new sheets on your bed? It's an incredible feeling. Uh, I've learned that like Gen Z, young people, don't use sheets anymore. And you, that's really gross. Um, you need to learn to use sheets. They're, they're good for you. They wick sweat. They're easier to wash than blankets. You need to wash your blankets, by the way. Um, things that are new. New shoes. How many of you like the smell of new shoes? Things which are new, people become obsessed with. New puppies, new babies, new things. Um, if you go to any sort of a farm supply store right now, you can, you can buy new baby chicks, new baby ducklings, um, animals which grew up to be very ugly, which are very cute as babies. New things. Why are we obsessed with new? I think the reason that we become obsessed and we think about things when we think about things that are new is, is because we grow tired of the old things. We grow tired of things which get old, the old way of doing things, the old way that we live, the old things. We just get tired of them and we long for new stuff. Sometimes we want something new just because it is just simply new. It makes us feel good. And I think the reason that we do this is because deep down we know that things are not as they are supposed to be. We know that things 
aren't working out like they should be. We see things like famine and war and genocide and mass shootings and all of these things going on in the world around us, and we long for a new day. We long for something that is new. But if we're not careful when we think about new things, we can look outside of ourselves and we can start pointing fingers at others and think, yeah, they're not living like they should. The world around us isn't behaving as it should. And so when we long for things new, we just want everybody else to be new. I'm comfortable where I am, but I want everybody else to do new things so that they can be better. But I think it's a lot deeper than that. I think that the deeper than that is that we actually know that things are not as they should be within ourselves. And sometimes because we know that things aren't as they should be within ourselves, we will project that onto other people and start blaming and gossiping and pointing fingers when we need to be looking in the mirror and looking at our own things that we are struggling with. And so oftentimes when we think about the way things were or when we think about the things and the way things are within us, we might think to ourselves, you know, I've done too many bad things. I've hurt too many people. I've gone too far. I'm not good enough. I'm not meeting other people's expectations. I ruin every relationship I've ever been in. I'm just not who I should be. We're not happy. We've experienced too much loss. We've lost joy. We have no peace. And we don't know what it means to be alive. So we long for new things because things aren't as they're supposed to be. And because we know that things aren't as they're supposed to be, we long to just be new, to have a second chance. We long for a fresh start. We long to start over again, just to be new. And there's this phrase that maybe if you've been around Christians before, been in churches or watched unfortunately, watch Christian television before, um, you may have heard people say this phrase, which is a weird phrase, this idea of being born again. You know, are you born again? Have you been born again? And it's a phrase that's so strange that we've kind of stopped using it. But we, we need to remember that this phrase itself was actually spoken of by Jesus himself. And so longing to be new is longing to be born again. And in Christ, being born again is exactly what you and I are offered, to be born again. And so in John chapter 3, Jesus has this encounter with a very religious person that went out to meet Jesus in the dark so no one would see that he was interacting with Jesus. And he was asking Jesus good questions. And Jesus said, in order for you to acknowledge that I am from God, you must be born again. And Nicodemus, he was like, ew, how, how are you supposed to be born again? He's like, can I go back into my mother and back out of her again? How is it that I could be born again? And so Jesus starts this conversation with Nicodemus on how he can be born again, about how he can be made new. So Jesus offers us this opportunity, and the reason we need this opportunity is because you and I were created in the image and likeness of God. You and I were created to love and to be loved by God. We were created to reflect God's image to those around us. We were created to enjoy life in relationship with God and with each other. But each of us has rebelled against God. 
Each of us have sinned against God. Each of us has fallen short of God's expectations. We've fallen short of God's commands. We've fallen short of his glory. And it's really no mistake that we would fall short of God's expectations because I can't even meet my own expectations for myself. And if I can't meet those, we can acknowledge, like, we, we fall very short from God's expectations. And so it sounds like bad news, but in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says this. It says, all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. And so you might look at yourself and feel self-condemned, like I'm the only weird one. I'm the only one that's had these thoughts. I'm the only one that has done these things. I'm the only one that has experienced these temptations. But Scripture tells us this is humanity's problem. You and I have something in common, and what we have in common is our shortcomings. And your shortcomings don't make you further away from God than someone else's shortcomings. Different shortcomings, different sins, different rebellion that we commit against God, it may have different consequences for us in this life, but we all fall short of the glory of God. And the Bible tells us that there are consequences for us falling short. There are consequences for our rebellion. There are consequences for our disobedience. There are consequences for our sin. And in Romans 6.23, it says, the wages of sin is death. It's interesting that Paul, who writes this, he uses this word wages. He says, when you work to commit sin, the wage that you earn is actually death. So many of us try to earn salvation. So many of us try to earn relationship with God, but we can't earn that. It seems like the more we try to earn something, the more death that we experience. And so the wages of sin is death, and that means death in our relationship with God. It means death of our bodies, and it means an eternal death apart from God in a real place that Jesus talks more about than he does heaven called hell. This is the consequence of sin. So each of us have this choice. We have this opportunity to follow the God of life and the God who gives life. And when we remove ourselves from the God of life, we find that only death remains. And so while we're all sinners and while the wages of our sin is death, Romans 6.23 then says this. It says, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ. So we go from death in sin to new life in Christ. Literally this idea of being born again. John 3.3, 3, Jesus says, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So only God can make us new in this way. Only God can give to us eternal life. And so in Romans 5, it says this, Romans 5, 8, it says, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so here the Bible tells us this is how God does it. This is how he gives us this free gift of eternal life. This is how he shows us his love over us. This is how he shows us his love for us, is that even when we are in sin, he died for us. And so many religious people, all of us find ourselves being religious in some ways. Religious people, we, we try to think, oh no, it wasn't while I was a sinner that Christ died for me. I actually 
need to work my way towards him for him to love me. And I need to behave. I need to check off all of these things on my list, clean myself up, make myself new, and then God will show his love. But that's not the news of the Bible. The news of the Bible is while we were sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says he came at just the right time to die for your and for my sins. And so Jesus Christ, he lives this perfect life of love and obedience to the Father. And Jesus Christ takes on the wages of our sin through his death on the cross. And so the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 5. It's this, this weird statement where the same man, Paul, who writes Romans in 2 Corinthians 5.21, I'll, I'll read it once as it is written, and then I'll read it in a way that makes it make a little more sense. He says, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Paul is talking about, first of all, he's talking about God the Father. It says, for our sake, God the Father made him. Him is Jesus Christ. So for our sake, God the Father made Jesus Christ the Son. Jesus, who didn't commit any sin. Jesus, who was sinless, the Father made Jesus, who was sinless, to not just take on sin, but to actually become sin so that in Jesus, you and I could become the righteousness of God. And so though Jesus had absolutely committed no sin, he received your sin, he became your sin, he experienced separation from the Father for his sin, or for our sin on our behalf. And he does this so you and I can become new, so we can receive the righteousness of God. And and theologians, they call this act the great exchange. It's a trade. It's my sin for Christ's righteousness. And so God invites us to give him our sin. And Jesus then dies for our sin and experiences all the punishment for our sin. And in return, he says, here is my perfection. And I don't know about you, but that to me is scandalous. It's unfair. It doesn't seem right that I would receive the righteousness of God and that God would receive all of my sin. But that is a trade I am willing to accept. And the Bible says this is love. That while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So he died for us so that we could receive this forgiveness of sin and receive this righteousness. And the reason that we can receive not just forgiveness, but the reason that we can actually receive righteousness in place of our sins is because Jesus Christ did not just die for our sins, but he rose to life from death. And through his resurrection, he gives to us righteousness. He gives to us life. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he makes us new. He gives to us this new born-again experience. He gives us this new birth. In front of me is a, uh, an animal trough that today is a baptismal tank. In our last service, we celebrated baptism for someone's new life in Jesus Christ. And in the service after this, we're going to baptize several people for their new life in Christ. And Paul says this about baptism in Romans chapter 6. He says, We were buried, therefore, with Jesus by baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. 
So what scripture is telling us is that when we receive the newness of life in Jesus Christ, when we receive the forgiveness and the righteousness of Christ, when we have a relationship with God restored through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, that just as Jesus died on the cross, that that day our sins died with him. And that that day, our old self, our old way of living, our old sinful self, it was buried in the grave with Jesus. And when we baptize people as Christians, people go under the water to represent, this is my old life now dead and buried with Jesus Christ. And when they come up again out of the water, it represents, this is my new risen life in Christ. And so my sins are behind me. And the new life that Jesus offers to me is not just in front of me, but it's what I'm experiencing now. It's our old life of sin. It's dead and buried with Christ. We're born again. We're made new through his resurrection. And just as life dies in the winter and then springs forth to life in the spring and is made new all over again, maybe we'll experience spring by July But that's what God gives through Christ, this opportunity for the old to pass away and for the new to come. So to be born again, to be made new, to be made clean, fresh, forgiven, righteous, that's given to you freely as a gift of grace. Grace is getting what you do not deserve. I deserve hell for my sin, but God gives me life and grace through Jesus Christ. I deserve death, but I am given new resurrection life through Christ. I ex- I'm supposed to experience life apart from God, but through Christ, I have life in God. And so we receive this gift of grace freely through faith, simply by trusting in it. If someone gives you a gift, you must trust in that gift. You must receive that gift In order to possess it. And so we receive this newness of life. We receive this born again life freely as a gift by grace through faith. And when we receive, our sins are forgiven. Our relationship with God is restored. We're given the power of his spirit and we're given everlasting life. And that was purchased for us. And it was delivered to us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So the last verse I'll read from Romans, it says this. Romans 10, 9. Paul says, all have sinned. The wages of sin is death. This is love that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That we leave our old life behind through the death of Jesus and we find new life in Christ. And in Romans 10, He tells us how we can receive this gift of grace through faith. He says this, if you confess with your mouth, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, then you will be saved. But so many of us read it like this. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, and become a good person and clean yourself up 
and go to church and sing this song and sing this prayer and give this money and give this time and do this work and evangelize to these neighbors and do this and this and this and this and this and this and this, then, 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 then maybe, maybe you'll be saved. But as I alluded to before, the more we try to be saved, the closer to death we get because we recognize and we realize and it's shown to us that we can't do this. But God has. That only God can make us new. And so what he says is if you would confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, what does that mean? Being Lord, we don't use that word, but it just means, Jesus, you now own my life. I confess you are Lord. You own my life. We confess Jesus is Lord. And if we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, What that means is you believe, you trust, you know that the life, death, and resurrection was for you. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is what forgives you of your sins, restores you to life, and restores you to relationship with God and gives you the power of God. That's what it means to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. If we would do that, then we would be saved. As Jesus wrapped up his conversation at night with that man Nicodemus, when he told Nicodemus he must be born again, he actually wraps up the conversation telling Nicodemus how to be born again. He says this, he says, For God so loved the world. And Jesus, talking about himself, says that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him, Jesus again, talking about himself, whosoever believes in me, will not perish, but have everlasting life. New life. Born again life. Forgiven life. Righteous life. It's experience, Nicodemus. By grace, through faith, you must be born again. And you are born again by believing, Jesus says, in me. So by grace, through faith, you and I can be born again in Christ and we can experience a new life through and in Christ. Brandon, if you can come up and play keys for me, and if you guys could dim the lights a bit, I want to start to wrap up our time in this sermon and invite you to put trust in Christ this morning. As I was thinking about Easter, I was thinking about new And I asked you when we started, what do you think about when you think about new? And to be honest, I don't think about Easter when I think about new. But when I think about Easter, I think about new. This new opportunity, this new life, the the chance to start over, the chance to experience fresh, new, resurrected life. In this concept of experiencing and God doing new things, it appears all throughout the entirety of Scripture. And so Paul, who wrote Romans, he says in 2 Corinthians 5, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Says the old has passed away, just like he said earlier. 
we experience death to our old self with the death of Christ. And when we're baptized in water, it shows that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed. And I love this. He says, behold, the new has come. And throughout the rest of the New Testament, Paul would go on to say, we need to walk in this new way of life. We need to put on our new self who is Christ. And so if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. If you would be in Christ today, if you would be born again in Christ, if you would be saved by Christ, forgiven by Christ, experience new life in Christ, you can be made new. Made new. And not only are you made a new creation, but you have been made new and given the power to live a new life. A power to live new life, not on your power, but on his power. And that's because he's given you, God, when you become in Christ, when you are born again, God gives you a new heart. He gives you a new nature. And he gives you new desires. You may say, well, pastor, I'm not sure if I've been born again because I still sin. Well, then no one would be born again if that's what the prerequisite was. You see, when when God makes you new, when you become a new creation, when you've been born again, you and I still live in this body of sin. You and I still live in this world of temptation and sin. And until Christ returns and until we receive a glorious resurrected body where we will experience no suffering, no pain, no illness, no death, and no sin, right now you and I are in a battle with our flesh. A battle to turn toward God and to please God and to experience life and life abundantly in him. And so just because you've been made new, it doesn't mean that you're not going to struggle anymore. In fact, when you are made new, you might struggle even more. Because when the enemy thought that he had you, and when Jesus declared that you were his, the enemy is not going to be happy about that. And may come at you with even more temptation than you had before. But the difference now is that the Spirit of God lives within you as a new creation. And through the Spirit of God, you can look at the enemy. That's the devil, if you need that to be more clear. You can look at the devil. You can look at demonic forces. You can look at the world which would come against you, and you can just simply say, no. I don't have to do those things anymore because I've been saved, I've been cleansed, I've been healed, I've been forgiven, I've been restored, I've been born again, I've been made new. And so, no, I don't have to give in because I have the power of the living God within me. And I can say no to sin and yes to God because God's given me a new nature. He's given me new desires. He's given me new life. And I have been born again. But here's what I also know. I also know that I... I still sin anyways, sometimes. And I don't like to use the word, I mess up sometimes, because sin isn't messing up or making a mistake. Sin is just blatantly rebelling against God, and that's what we do. And when we do that as Christians, because God has changed our hearts and because God has given us his spirit, when I sin against God, God convicts me of my sin. 
And he gives me the power to resist sin. And he gives me the desire to repent of sin and to turn all over again back to him and to experience newness all over again. And so not only are you a new creation, but that new creation, again, it means you have a new heart, a new desire, a new nature. And in this newness, you also have a promise of a new life to come. And a new life, not just for you, but we actually have a promise of a new life to come for the entire world. And this is the last verse we'll read. It's Revelation 21. At the end of the Bible, Jesus is expressing how he will return, how he will judge the living and the dead. He's expressing how he will create a new heaven and a new earth. And Jesus says in Revelation 21, 5, he says, behold, I am making all things new. And if you look at the phrase that precedes that, John is writing this, John the disciple, as he's having this vision of Jesus, he says, and he who was seated on the throne, that is the Lord, the one who has ownership of my life. He who is seated on the throne, the king. He who is seated on the throne, Jesus Christ, king of kings, Lord of lords, Alpha and Omega, beginning and end. Forgiver, lover, the one who gave his life, the one who sits and rules over all eternity. He says, behold, I'm making all things new. And I look forward to a world where all things have been made new. But I can experience a little bit of that right now. Because I've been promised by God that he'll make me a new creation. So when Jesus says in Revelation 21, behold, I'm making all things new, he's talking about all creation and all eternity, but he's also talking about this. He's talking about my heart and he's talking about yours. That's what he wants for you. Behold, I make you new. Do you desire to be new today? If you could eliminate distractions for just a minute, we're gonna close out here by singing and worshiping. But maybe you need to bow your head or close your eyes to eliminate distraction, not because it's how you have to pray, but we're very distracted by things going on. And bowing your head, closing your eyes, maybe just put your phone to the side for a second. I wanna spend just a minute this Easter and I wanna talk to those of you who would say, I don't know Christ. I'm not serving Jesus Christ. I have not been saved by Jesus Christ. I've never experienced his love, his forgiveness. I'm not new. I haven't been born again. I'm not a Christian, if you want to use that phrase. I'm just not a Christian. That's not me. But this Easter, God is doing something new in my heart. And I'm being drawn. I, I want to be received by God. I want to have relationship with God. I want to be forgiven of sins. I want to be a new creation. I want the old to pass away and I want the new to come. And I want it to start here. Well, just remember the words of Jesus. Whosoever believes in Jesus will not perish, but have everlasting life. Remember the words of Paul. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, you are king, you are Lord, you're in control. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. If 
you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. It doesn't mean you don't have doubts, but it means that you choose to trust, you choose to have faith, you choose to believe. God loves me. God sent his son. His son died for my sins. He rose from the grave, defeating Satan, sin, hell, and death. And he offers to me new life. And he offers it as a free gift of grace and it's received through faith. And I don't know everything, but the one thing I do know is I want to trust in Jesus Christ and I want to belong to him. In just a minute, I'm gonna have you, I'm gonna give you a chance to respond to that. If you say, today I'm, I'm giving my life over to Jesus and I'm just declaring, Jesus, I give you my life. You're Lord, you're in control, you're the boss, you're king, you're in charge. And I'm choosing to trust in you. And I wanna talk for a minute to those who would say, hey, I, I, I am a Christian. I am part of the body of Christ. I, I've said the sinner's prayer. I've trusted in Christ. I've experienced his power before. I've known his love before. And I'm, I'm, you'd say, I'm saved, I'm born again. I'm, I am a new creation. But some of you who are new creations, you might say about yourself today, I sure don't feel like it. I sure don't feel like it. Or if I'm a new creation, I'm sure not living like it. You can be made new also, again. Jesus makes us a new creation, and the beauty of it is Jesus makes us a new creation again. I'm not saying for a moment I doubt your salvation or you're not a Christian, but I do know that Jesus promises us life and life to the full, and I know what it's like to not experience that. I know what it's like to not live according to the life that Jesus gave me. So John, the disciple, he offers a solution, actually. First John 1, he says, you need to walk in the light. You need to walk out in the open. You, you need to not hide in the dark. And in John 1, 1, 1 John 1, 1, John says, if you confess your sins, God is faithful and he is just to forgive you of your sins. And if you're a Christian, that's you. God has been faithful and God has been just by forgiving you of your sin. But listen to the second part. He says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And that's where most of us stop. Most of us stop confessing our sins. Most of us do not allow ourselves to get close enough to people to be able to share with them what our struggles are, what our sins are, what our hangups are, what trauma we've experienced, what hurt we have felt, and we don't share it. And when we don't share it, we are not able to process it and God is not able to heal it. And God actually doesn't wanna just forgive you, he wants to cleanse you. And cleansing is a process that will go on until the day that you die. We are continuously being made new. We are continuously being born again. We are continuously being cleansed. And we find cleansing when we just say, not just to God, help, but to our brothers and sisters in Christ, help. Because we're meant to carry each other's burdens. Some of you need to re-experience being new. 
Some of you need to walk in, once again, newness of life. And in the most popular book of the Bible, Lamentations, in chapter 3, verse 3, I'll summarize, but it says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. And how is this related? Well, then says, they, the mercies of God, the steadfast love of God, they are new every morning. So that means every day is a new day to experience something new. Every day is a new day to experience the newness of the mercies and the steadfast love of God. And if you'd say, I'm in, I'm a Christian, you and I need to experience this daily. And I want to invite you into that. So if you could bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. If you'd say, Pastor, this Easter, I don't know God. I'm not a Christian. I'm not saved. I'm not forgiven. I'm not born again. Whatever phrase you want to call that. But the bottom line is you don't have a relationship with God. But God's calling you to trust in him, to receive his grace, to receive his mercies, which are new every morning. And this morning, you want to put faith in Jesus Christ. You want to confess with your mouth, he is Lord. You want to believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. And you want to believe in Christ, just as Jesus said in John 3, 16. If that's you, without any hesitation, would you just right now raise your hand as high as you can and say, today I want life in Jesus. I want to give my life to him. Amen. I see you. I see you. Anybody else say, today I want Jesus. I need Jesus. I want to follow him, want to serve him, want to devote my life to him, want to make him Lord, want to make him king, want to make him God. Anybody else say, that's me? Okay. In an instant, when you do that, you pass from death to life. Welcome to life. Welcome to life in Christ. For those of you who'd say, I know Jesus, but I need to be cleansed. I need to be cleansed. Here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. We're just gonna all stand to our feet and we're gonna sing. And as we sing, if, if you have experienced life in Jesus and if you'd like to be cleansed, if you'd like God to let you experience being new again and you could submit more and more of your heart to him and you know that's what you need to do this morning, I just want you, the moment everyone stands to sing, I just want you to walk make your way up to the front of our stage here. You might call this an altar, a stage, whatever this is, the front of the room. Would you just make your way up to the front? We have some of our pastors here, part of our team that would love to just have faith with you, believe with you, pray with you and for you and ask that God would cleanse and make whole and allow you to experience the newness of life. And so God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this time of worship. I thank you for the new that you offer to us in Jesus' name. Would you stand? And as we stand and sing, if, if you'd say, that's me, I need prayer today, would you just walk right now to the front and we'll pray for you.